0: My whole philosophy as a marketer always is to invest in compounding scalable and repeatable strategies that result in long-term organic growth. Like you have to build a sustainable growth engine. So strategy number one for generating the demand that we need to close locations is feeding that organic machine with inbound content marketing.
1: Hey, it's Dan McGaugh here. I'm a tech stack nerd and the CEO of Magal.io, the leading tech stack management firm. Each week I speak to executives to find out the stack they're using to drive revenue and make their goals a reality. This week I've got Annie Fleshman, the VP of Marketing at Flowhub. FlowHub is a retail technology for the cannabis industry. They are the point of sale software, compliance management, and inventory tracking software for cannabis dispensaries. Annie is leveraging a content marketing strategy for FlowHub and she's passionate about driving organic growth. She's also luring cannabis dispensaries in by giving them cookies and swag boxes. The idea of bringing in stoners in with cookies is fucking brilliant, if you ask me. And Annie is using some cool tools like Craft CMS, Autopilot for marketing automation, Looker for her business intelligence, Salesforce for her CRM, and Google Optimize to run experiments. So let's dive into how she's using the stack to drive revenue.
0: My name is Annie. I'm the VP of marketing at a company called Flow Hub. We're a cannabis retail technology company. We are uh, helping dispensaries run smooth and compliant retail operations. We serve over 1,000 shops across 14 legal markets and process over $3 billion in cannabis sales annually. Prior to FlowHub, I was marketing marketing software to marketers over at Autopilot. That was a really fun run, and previous to that, I
1: was in the social recruiting space. And we actually met when you were at Autopilot, because Autopilot's one of my favorite products.
0: And it is one of mine as well.
1: I like it. Still, are you still using Autopilot today while at Flow Hub?
0: I am a diehard Autopilot fangirl for life.
1: I love it. Are you on the new product or are you on the old product though? Because I'm on the old product. No,
0: I'm, on, I'm still on Autopilot Journeys, which is what they're calling the old product. And the new product is just Autopilot. I've been beta testing it. It's pretty awesome, but I haven't been able to do the migration with all of our data yet.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I reached out and I was like, hey, listen, I'll buy journeys from you. Can I buy journeys from you? And they told me no because they are trying to move everybody over. But I don't want to lose my journeys. I like my autopilot journeys.
0: You know, they're planning on bringing the canvas the visual canvas into the new application. I mean, the thing I'm most excited about is uh, the ability to integrate custom objects with Salesforce. So Autopilot Journeys allows you to basically just communicate with leads and contacts, but the new Autopilot application is like a true customer data platform. It has a lot more dashboard visualizations, reporting capabilities, and it also allows you to integrate those custom objects, account data, opportunity data, The world is your oyster.
1: Tell me this though, like Flow Hub. So your cannabis retail tech, is this like the POS? That's not the piece of shit, but like the point of sale. Is this the point of sale system in the thing?
0: Exactly. So it's a point of sale software. We handle compliance, inventory management, as well as facilitating that transaction at a dispensary. So all of the sales need to be tracked. There are different regulations depending on what market you're in. Some markets require real time reporting to whatever state track and trace system that they're using. Other states require end of day reporting and we facilitate all of that. We're in Florida. Florida is kind of a weird state where we consider them to be like self-regulated. Like they haven't chosen a track and trace system yet. So we are in Florida. It's a medical only market for the time being.
1: What does track and trace mean?
0: So all cannabis products need to be tracked from the seed all the way to the sale. So every state... Has signed a contract with a official like track and trace system. Most markets utilize one called Metric M E T R C. Uh, that's kind of the standard used in most states to report their sales to the government.
1: So, give me like a real world example of how like your typical customer is using Flow Hub. Is it all of the business? Like, is it like the CRM for the whole company? So
0: we are focused at being best in class for the retail side of the business. So we're really supporting actually a lot of small businesses, um, as well as multi-location operations. So we really help facilitate um, getting products into the system. So importing all of their inventory data, as well as uh, supporting the tracking of any sales data. And It's interesting because in cannabis, if the physical inventory does not match what has been reported to the regulators, the license is at risk for suspension. So compliance is probably our number one value proposition as we help the dispensary maintain compliance.
1: You have to be super, super excited. This is a pioneering space that you're in. You're one of the first technologies that's really doing it. So it's got to be massively exciting.
0: What other industries are kind of coming online right now in this digital age. Like it's one of the fastest growing sectors. It's really nascent right now. Everyone's a startup in the space. So it's really fun because we're all kind of trying to dictate what the future of this industry looks like right now.
1: That's crazy. It's, I just, it's crazy. So with this innovation and creation, ideation, all these things What is the big, hairy, audacious goal of the company? Where are you all headed, and what's the big outcome?
0: Well, our mission is to make safe cannabis products accessible to every adult on planet Earth. That's the ultimate
1: outcome. Wow. That's pretty amazing, though. Like, on Earth, like, you're going to get everywhere. I think that's really, really good. Are you only in the U.S. now, or are you already international?
0: No, we're not international yet. We're just in the US in 14 different markets. That's hard enough. The regulations are changing all the time. I mean, COVID was a really great example of regs changing overnight. We didn't even know if dispensaries were going to be considered essential business. And then they were. And that was just a historical moment for the industry. It's like, wow, something that is federally illegal, is allowed to stay open while restaurants have to shut down, salons have to shut down. And it's creating tons of jobs. It's creating tons of tax revenue. But the pandemic really accelerated some of these pre-existing trends that we were seeing in cannabis. Because it is federally illegal, the mainstream financial system does not play nice with cannabis. Cannabis companies have limited access to banking and payment solutions today. So it's largely a cash-only business, which, as you can imagine, is a humongous liability for these operators. But all of a sudden, you know, overnight with COVID, all of a sudden, like cashless payments, those methods were starting to accelerate same thing with you know the ability to order for in-store pickup ahead on, online through e-commerce solutions. Um, delivery has accelerated, so all of these trends towards becoming you know like traditional retail, like ordering food for delivery or takeout, is being implemented into the cannabis industry.
1: As a federally illegal substance, there is a ton of red tape in the pot industry. Flow Hub's business is tied to the legality of if marijuana becomes federally legal. Currently, recreational weed is only legal in 18 states. And a recent survey by Civics shows that the majority of registered voters across America are in favor of legalizing pot. Could federal legalization be in the cards sometime soon? Well, FlowHub's point of sale software offers the tech that every pot shop needs if legalization happens. Even if it doesn't happen, FlowHub still can help get people cannabis medication across America and eventually the world. Now, back to Annie to hear more about what she's doing. When you think about the business now, right, and you have this big, hairy, audacious goal to, to help the whole earth have safe cannabis, you have KPIs that you're measuring yourself against. What are the main KPIs or main metrics that you're driving or focused on today?
0: Right, it's the wild, wild west in cannabis. So we are trying to get into as many locations as possible. That's our top line sales goal is to... Ensure sales books, you know, X number of locations. That's really what we're tracking. Obviously, there's kind of constellation metrics around that, such as monthly recurring revenue, ARR, you know, go lives, right? Because there's a difference between booked locations and ones that actually start transacting and processing sales.
1: Yeah. So going back to the location, so you got locations, MRR, ARR, like, is there metrics around uh, average revenue per store or average revenue per day that help you gauge success in an account?
0: Yeah, we're totally tracking um, GMV as well as store transactions.
1: Yeah. And is that used like in a health score or like, how do you use that data? Or is it just like, okay, this store isn't doing good?
0: Yeah. I mean, right now our pricing model is based off of number of locations and then there's kind of like different add-ons. But over time, I would love to move towards a usage-based pricing model where we are kind of leveraging um, that GMV data to dictate how much a dispensary pays us.
1: Now, interesting. So... It sounds like your North Star is locations, right? Like that's what your more locations, more density, more density. Now, are you focused on building density in a region? Like like the Belly model, as an example, if you remember Belly app, right? They focused on Chicago and became the number one app in Chicago. And then they moved on to another market. Is that part of your strategy?
0: Yes, we're very careful about which markets we enter. We want to make sure that we have a solid solution uh, that's fully compliant in that market. FlowHub started in Denver, Colorado. So, right now, that's kind of the state where we have the largest market share, and we're looking to penetrate it even more. But as we expand out, you know, States have different levels of maturity when it comes to cannabis, and uh, there are limits in certain states to how many dispensary licenses are even issued. So we are working within a limited TAM, and so really focused on going hard into the regions where we do have strong market product market fit.
1: Now, what is the strategy that's enabling you to land locations? Like, what are you doing in marketing that's really driving the location adoption?
0: My whole philosophy as a marketer always is to invest in compounding scalable and repeatable strategies that result in long-term organic growth. Like, you have to build a sustainable growth engine. And so strategy number one for generating the demand that we need to close locations is feeding that organic machine with inbound content marketing. From day one, content marketing has been a huge focus for our team. And it's not just delivering content for the sake of content, but actually high quality content that's relevant and valuable and going to make people who work at dispensaries their jobs much easier. So that's really our our main focus with our content strategy is not just telling them, hey, you should do these things, but actually showing them, like, here's a template for your standard operating procedures. Here's a template for planning your next big event. 420 is coming up next month. Really giving them the tools to be successful and compete. It's a very competitive space, right? Like, you have states like Oklahoma where there's actually no license cap, and there's a dispensary on every single block. So at some point, you you kind of lose... Um, differentiators. And you really have to get creative with, you know, the service that you're providing so that you can get return customers coming back to you instead of checking out someone else.
1: So it sounds like you're helping them understand that these are strategies or processes and things that they need to do. And you're leading with an organic content marketing strategy. Now, because you're in the cannabis space, you're prevented from spending money on advertising, aren't you?
0: Yeah. And I think it lines up. Us up pretty nicely for this cookie-free world, right? Where we've we've really um, built up first-party data and channels that we own, right? Our website, and not really leaning on Facebook ads or Instagram ads that don't even allow any mention of cannabis in their advertising. I would say, you know, we've been dabbling in paid advertising a little bit. The majority of our leads do come in organically from inbound or from executing very targeted account-based marketing campaigns. To core our audiences with a clear, ideal customer profile. Like, you know, we do a bit on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably the most cannabis friendly social network out there. They don't really ban outright cannabis content. I've been seeing a huge influx of cannabis professionals. Speaking openly about the cannabis industry and LinkedIn. So that's been a really great channel that's seen tremendous growth for us. And then, you know, we have kind of experimental budget. We've done a bit on Quora. We've done a bit with, you know, Google AdWords and and search search ads and a bit with display ads. But mm, I don't know. Display ads are really hard.
1: What is the biggest challenge you're facing today that's gonna to prevent you from reaching your big high audacious goal of helping the entire earth? Like what challenges are you facing today that's slowing you down?
0: Hmm. Really? I, I think it's just a matter of prioritization and focus and really trying to execute well without getting distracted from that focus. Like marketing is the kind of role where you literally have a never-ending do- to-do list. There's always one more tweet, one more blog, one more ad, one more creative experiment that you can do and it's never ending. So you really kind of have to like take some big risks and choose what those big bets are that are going to drive you to achieving your goals.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree there. Now, you know, when you think about like the 10 foot view of your stack, right? Like, what are the main tools that you're using and like how are you having those structured so that way you can use them? Like, what are you doing in your stack?
0: CRM is kind of our source of truth across all departments. We use Salesforce. Beyond that, yes, we have a business intelligence tool that is streaming data from. Mainly Salesforce, but other sources as well, um, and we use Looker for our BI solution.
1: But you're using Salesforce in tandem with Autopilot, which is an amazing duo. But that can't be all of your tools. You have to have way more tools now. What do you? You said you're doing ABM. Are you using any of the products over there?
0: No, we're. we're I wish we had a better solution, honestly, like um, something that could help us out with swag management and just kind of fulfilling these one-to-one personalized, like experiential touches. You know, I've been um, considering something along the lines of a Sendoso or a CODIS, some tool like that, but they're typically very expensive and we do have a limited budget. So we're kind of doing it a bit a bit scrappy here, but, you know, we'll throw like donut parties for dispensaries that we're targeting. We'll send them cookies. Oh my gosh. You will not believe how successful cookie campaigns are when you're sending them to stoners so we do a lot of kind of food related abm touches we send swag boxes we have some pretty cool flow hub swag people love our t-shirts we do a lot of road shows where it's kind of like door-to-door selling you go visit dispensaries in person go buy some product go figure out who the manager is at the store and strike up a conversation with the budtender saying hey how, how do you like that system that you're using or you know saying you know i following up after you visit and being like hey i visited your shop and i have three ideas that will help you improve your average cart size i'll give you one now take a meeting with me and i'll give you two more
1: Sending cookies to stoners is a simple and effective marketing strategy, and I fucking love it. Food is an amazing way to keep your customers happy without a ton of investment. I'm a big believer in tangible objects like food, swag, or even branded gifts as marketing. We've got so much digital marketing bombarding us that it can be difficult to stand out for most advertisers or marketers. When someone ships you some high-quality stuff to show you that they care, the impact, though, is pretty high. As an example, in our sales process, we send people a free copy of my book, Build Cool Shit. You can get your free copy at buildcoolshit.com, but this book is shipped to them to their home using Sendoso, and it arrives just days after their initial consult call. And by the way, thanks to Chris, the CEO of Sendoso, for being the official sponsor of shipping my book, which is super cool. Now, this book builds rapport with my prospects, and the book literally tells them step-by-step how they can build the modern tech stack. And in turn, they typically hire us to build their stack. Now, to take this a step further, once you become a customer, we've got swag boxes filled with over $150 of greatness. This is not simple swag either. The boxes come with a high-end thermos water bottle, a branded notebook, an athletic dry fit shirt, and a comfy everyday t-shirt, not to mention a branded pair of socks, a branded pen, a high-quality branded tote bag, and that all comes in a super nice branded swag box. These are meaningful mementos that help create brand affinity and retention with our customers. Now, shout out to SwagUp for making my swag boxes possible. I'm going to try to get them on the show soon. So that way you can learn too how you can use swag to increase your revenue. Okay, now enough of me. Let's get back to Annie and hear more about how she's building her stack. What are you using to manage content marketing? Is there like a co-schedule or are you just winging it?
0: Hootsuite is what we use for social media management. So that's kind of like what we do to to schedule posts and publish them across our different social media channels. We use Craft for our content management system. Craft CMS, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it is pretty sweet. I kind of consider it to be like a modern CMS where it's very easy to kind of create flexible templates that allow marketing teams to quickly update content without having to... Put in a request for a developer to go update something on the website. So we are very agile when it comes to being able to pump out fresh content.
1: I have heard of Craft, but I've never used it. So it sounds like you really like Craft.
0: I do. Yeah, I've been using it for almost four years now, and haven't really had a chance, uh, a reason to to switch to anything else.
1: Yeah. What are like its its best features? Like uh, you'd made the comment in regards to templates. Like it sounds like it makes it really easy for a marketer to get their job done.
0: Yeah, and I think it's less about the tool itself, but just the way that we have set up our structures within the platform, right? So, you know, we have basically, like, single pages, like our homepage that we can go in and edit. But then we also have structure pages, like partner pages that follow a similar template. So you can easily just duplicate and follow a template, fill in the, the information, and press publish blog posts are another example of a structure that we have and then we have what I call like our flexible templates where we basically can add blocks and choose different blocks. Maybe there's a body block, maybe there's a hero block, maybe there's an FAQ block and we can kind of create pages and make sure that there's consistent with everything else that's on our website.
1: Now, when somebody comes, you're doing this organic content marketing, so you're driving search traffic in essence. They come hit the blog. I'm going to assume your goal is to convert them to a lead. Is there any additional tech that you're using on the site that helps you convert them to a lead, or is that all still managed in Craft?
0: All managed in Craft. Craft has um, a form plugin that integrates directly with Autopilot. So we utilize that for, oh, for wow. capturing leads. Yeah.
1: So, the form from Craft integrates in with Autopilot. So, you don't even have to worry about tracking uh, because it just connects. Yep. Wow, that's a nice little seamless integration that you have going on there. Now, with Autopilot, now I'm assuming obviously you have Autopilot integrated in with uh, Salesforce, but like once that person becomes a lead, like what do you do in Autopilot to them and how do they move over to Salesforce? Like, is there an attribution model? Is there a nurture sequence?
0: Yeah, so um, it kind of depends on the level intent of whatever form they fill out. Like if it's a demo request, that's our primary CTA. We're kind of operating that traditional enterprise model where someone requests a demo and that's kind of like high priority lead. So we accelerate those. If they come in and they download like our SOP templates kit that I mentioned earlier, you know, we'll put them into an appropriate drip sequence where they'll receive a series of emails that also puts them into our monthly newsletter so they get nurtured that way. We kind of do a series of steps like updating the lead source, the lead source detail and a couple other fields before we push that over into Salesforce. And you know, we actually use Salesforce rules to assign the lead. So we're using Salesforce automation to assign it to the appropriate AE, who then follows up. You know, we have Mixmax, actually, is our sales engagement tool. We just started using Mixmax, um, switching from outreach. And um, it's been working well. So what they'll do is they'll put them into a sequence after they get, you know, maybe a lower intent lead that's like, hey, this person downloaded a piece of content. Maybe they're not ready to buy today, but if we nurture them, build the relationship, they might be ready to buy six months from now.
1: Are you leveraging any type of like user experience tools like Hotjar or A-B testing tools like Optimizely?
0: Yeah, we've done a bit with Google Optimize for A-B tests. I mean, again, it's like we didn't need to go out and purchase another tool for that. You know, we just kind of run through the Google suite of of tools that we have available to us. We also have um, Intercom. And Intercom is the solution that we utilize for live chat slash chatbot. I mean, we've gone through a few different tools. Um, Previously, we were on Drift. We were on Incent that was recently acquired by ZoomInfo. But we decided to make the move to Intercom because we wanted um, other departments to utilize it, Um, particularly our product support team wanted in-app chat support. And that was a solution that would allow our product support team to get the features that they needed again, integrated with Salesforce, as well as give us the the solution that we needed on the front end of the website. And we actually don't have the resources to run like a 24-7 live chat team on our sales team. Like our org is just so small. So what we've set up is what I call a back campaign, where it's basically like leaving a voicemail or leaving a message and then tagging the AE to go call them back or text them back. We collect, you know, what is your preference? Do you want a phone call? Do you want an SMS? Or do you want an email? And that's been working pretty well so far.
1: What's the next big change you're making in your stack? Is there any tools that you're currently looking at or anything that you're thinking about swapping?
0: I would love to implement Segment for in-app behavior and event tracking. That's something that we really haven't done much with, and I think we can get much more sophisticated in supporting our users in in their onboarding journey specifically, or surfacing maybe some features that they weren't aware of. If someone stalled in the process, we can maybe nudge them to take the next step. So, um, you know, Segment um, is pretty high up on my list. Clearbit, I would say, is another tool uh, for data enrichment that I would love to implement at some point. And then, you know, I actually came across an interesting tool. I don't know if you remember Scott Edmonds, who used to work at Autopilot, but he's he's doing um, some cool stuff over at Syncery. It's basically a data automation platform that unifies, cleans, and delivers customer data across all of your tools. So, you know, if you wanted to set it up so that names are all lowercase with the exception of the first letter of the first name and the last letter of the last name that can be standardized across all of your systems. I like it. Just as an example, like, I mean, we get people filling out forms and all caps all the time and it's very annoying to have to like go in and update those
1: manually. What would be the recommendations two or three that you would give other marketers when they think about building their stack? I
0: think start with your goals and your strategy and think about the process and the customer journey for your business first before you choose the tool for your for the job you don't necessarily want to pick a tool and then be limited by their workflow you want to pick and choose the niche solutions that solve your specific needs And it allows you to like also switch out tools a lot more easily, try new things, see what else comes on the market. If you're kind of locked into a closed architecture or closed ecosystem, you don't really have as much control. You know, typically what you'll find is like, yeah, they have all these robust features and capabilities, but you're only really scratching the surface and using two things on the daily. But, you know, you maybe don't need all of those other things that you're paying for.
1: When you think about like the future of what's gonna to happen to the tech stack, like what is most exciting to you in five, ten years? What do you think is gonna be the really big changer and gonna help you do your job?
0: AI. <laughs> I think there's, you know, such a massive amount of data available to marketers, but it's very difficult to extract actionable insights from that data. And I think there may be some um, AI solutions out there that allow us to be more effective and be able to you know, pick the flowers from the weeds um, amongst all that data.
1: Mm, I agree. I think artificial intelligence is a great efficiency play for marketers and uh, it's going to be able to help us do our jobs faster um, by writing copy for us, which I think is super, super interesting. This has been absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for being able to make it on. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been so much fun.
0: Likewise, thank you for having me.
1: Let's recap a few of the key lessons we learned from having Annie on the show this week. First, Annie's leading with an inbound marketing strategy using Craft CMS to quickly publish things to the web. She really likes Craft CMS as it's more flexible for her needs, and she does not always require a developer to make her updates. As you might already know, WordPress is the category king when it comes to website CMSs. And honestly, I won't build a website unless it's on WordPress. This said, WordPress does require a developer in a lot of cases. And while these devs can be very affordable, there is nothing better than being able to modify your website layouts without a dev. Secondly, Annie is using swag boxes and sending cookies to get her prospects' attention. This tangible type of marketing really makes you stand out compared to your digital ads. Companies like Sendoso, SwagUp, and my personal favorite, Gift Goose, make this type of gifting really, really easy. Now, the last thing I'll say before we wrap up is that I'm excited to see what happens for FlowHub if cannabis becomes federally legal. This is a move that we have seen in Canada, so it might not be that far off for the US as people think. When it happens, though, we will see an explosion in the cannabis industry and many happy patients because of it. Now, that's it for today. But because you're interested in this podcast, naturally, the next step is for you to get a free copy of my book, Build Cool Shit. Just go to buildcoolshit.com and you'll be able to order your free copy. And lovely Sendoso will send it directly to your house. uh, So that way you can read a copy. Now, thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys next week.